Hello and welcome to, um, I'm going to stop saying the episode's numbers because I always get them wrong, but this is Game Dev Grid Podcast, and we have a first-time guest who just shipped a game, which we're going to talk about, so I'm welcoming Meryl to the podcast, and why don't you let us know what you just did, what you're doing, and all that stuff. Can do. So I just released my game, Super T34, A Tank in Space. And this is my first, like, full-sized game. This isn't just something I, I made in the corner or something that was only a few minutes long. It's, it's got a plot going on. It's got uh, sound effects that I made, a soundtrack, full, fully original art assets. Uh, this is my first, like, proper project where I finished every part of it. And <clears throat> what was that like? I was, it was kind of crazy, man. Um, I... I just suddenly got got the urge for it, like right as the year turned over. I was like, you know what? This is going to be the year that I learn how to program really well and start actually making games. Uh, yeah, because I asked because, um, you know, really it's like, what did you learn? Because the only way I found you really learn all the stuff, or you learn so much is when you ship products, when you finish them or games. So what was the learning, like the big learning stuff in making a complete game? Well, and... Uh, it, it ties in very well with the purpose of making this game. This was more of a proof of concept than uh, my first like full project. Uh, this game's going for free on on uh, Itchio, uh, but I wanted to see what every step of the process is because, my goodness, there are a lot of steps of the process. I've been a uh, musician making pretty damn well quality uh, uh, songs for a while and there's just a lot more going on with game dev there is so many fields of skill that you at least need to be competent at to, to make a game that's to the point of shipping yeah so what were the ones that you were like oh no i mean so the audio you got that down for but, me yeah it started off um visual art assets i have never been much of a drawer or even much of a pixel artist. I knew some basic graphic design with uh, GIMP, which is kind of like a, a Photoshop. Yeah. Uh, and that's what I did most of my graphics in, but you have to make quite a truckload of, of these graphics and trying to find that balance between um, like making something that, that looks good and making something fast enough that you didn't just spend four hours on a single tile or something like that, that, that really caught me. Uh, um, that, that really taught me a lot of how to make visual art assets because there's some things that you can, you can kind of just fudge and it's fine, um, like, a, like a bullet uh, in a 2D platformer. It really just, it, it only has to be one pixel tall and you know, a few wide because that thing flies across the screen so fast and no one's really got their eye put there. But for something like an enemy sprite or player's sprite you really want to make sure that looks good because the player's going to be seeing that a bunch and so kind of um th th there's a lot of learning how to prioritize those types of assets and of yeah. course uh, i learned a uh, programming a uh, bunch of programming i had done just a little bit in high school but other than that i've only used node-based editors uh visual script type of stuff yeah so why didn't you quit when things got tough or frustrating with the program or anything else, what, what prevented you from quitting? Because most people don't finish one project, one game, you know? Yeah, no, I, I know exactly what you mean. Um, 
honestly, it's it uh, comes back to the the reason I started making the game is uh like I said, I've been doing music for a long time, and one of my uh one of my music based bucket list things was I wanted to make the soundtrack to a game. I spent a long time trying to put myself out there and contacting different game developers like, hey, I'll do it for free. I'll even do sound effects for you. Um, and I just kept, everyone already has someone for, for audio. And I was like, you know what? I'll just do it myself. If I make the game, I can bring myself on as the, the music person. And so when it was getting to those parts where it was like, ah, oh, man, I don't, I don't want to do this part. It's like, you got to, otherwise you're all this, this music that you want to do is going to just go down the drain. Okay, yeah, because I think the thing that happens normally, like say you come from an audio background, and then you get uncomfortable or hit these snags, like well, let's say with the programming, you know, I think people will tell themselves, what am I doing? I'm not a programmer. I'm this thing. Why? And, you know, just quit. So why didn't you do that? What kept you moving forward? Um, well, I just really wanted it done. Um, I, I focused down on it hard. I mean... I think a big part of it for me is I liked programming way, way more than I thought I was going to. And pretty much as soon as I finished the project, after all that was left was to create like promotional material and stuff, I kind of looked back on lo looked back on all of the programming that I had to do and I said, hey, I kind of like this a lot. And uh, now I've got myself enrolled in a computer science uh, program at a college. Um, so I think a, a big part of it is just there's very few parts of the game dev process that I don't like. The whole thing is pretty much enjoyable, except for uh, doing dialogue I had a lot of trouble with. You mean writing the dialogue? Both writing and programming in a dialogue system. That, that is a surprisingly difficult thing to do. It, it looks so simple on the surface. You know, it's text on a screen, you press a button to make it go forward, but you don't realize how much dialogue you're going to have, even for a very small game, that you're going to have to figure out, okay, how do, I, how do I know which line of dialogue I'm on? You know, I got to set uh, each line to a, a different variable so I can pull that up or uh, enumeration or however you choose to do it. Okay, so I saw you use um, Godot, right, to make the game? Yes, yes, I use and Godot. So they don't have like an integrated or some kind of dialogue system you can use, no? Um, there is on uh, the asset store mm -hmm. and you know, lots of people online will give you like, I don't want to say blueprints cause that makes people think of unreal, but I can't think of a better word for it, but kind of like a, a blueprint to go off of for a dialogue system. But a big challenge for me with this game is I wanted to do, you know, I wanted to do as much grunt work of it as possible. A lot of people recommend, you know, I use free online art assets, make it faster, you know, find some other people's codes for certain types of things so you can be doing it faster. But uh, I recognize that this was supposed to be a project of learning. And it's like, I got to know how I can do it before I just rely on copy paste and other people's stuff. Yeah. You know what? I think that's a real key thing too to bring up because it's like, if you're looking at your project as a way to learn, like, Hey, you know, this is difficult, but I'm going to learn you know, that's a certain perspective versus there's another one where like, Hey, I just want to get this done. I can, buy, I can buy the asset. So you kind of need to know where you are, right? Like if the people, you just want to get it done, exactly. get the asset you want to learn. Cause in my other, in my main game, I was like, Oh, it was before I knew how to program. I was like, Oh yeah, let me just use these, this visual scripting to do my own dialogue system. And then really fast, I was just like, what the hell is this? So 
even today, I still use one that I just bought. I bought this yeah, dialogue yeah. system for Unity. I use it because, yeah, it was a lot more complicated than well, I thought it would be. A key thing, I see this all the time with uh, Unity users, is they, uh, they download some sort of... Uh, uh, Oh, what do you call your asset store? Is it just called the asset store? Yeah, asset store, yeah. Um, they, they get something off of the asset store that does something great for their game, and that part's fine. But the issue is they'll, they'll be like halfway through development, and suddenly they have a lot of problems that they can't explain, and they'll trace it back down to that asset uh, that they bought, and they don't even know how to read it. They don't know how to read the other person's code or you know, diagnose what the problem is exactly. Because it could be a super easy problem to solve. But if you don't know how to make a dialogue system, you're probably not going to know how to read a dialogue system, for instance. Yeah, thankfully, the one that I bought, it's actually called the uh, just dialogue system. But it has really well documented code is done. And then the developer is just awesome. He just like, answers every question and sends you code. So but you know, when I had that experience, it pushed me like I need to learn how to code because like you were saying, yeah, you get this asset, you can't even read the code. It's like having a car and you need to go to the mechanic. You can't change its oil or do anything, you exactly, know? Exactly, exactly. Um, so I, I imagine for further future projects, I'll, I'll start relying more on other people's uh, uh, assets that are already out there. Um, but for now, I figured why not just get dirty with it? I want to become a really great programmer. I, I want to be... A good writer I want to be good at good enough with my visual art assets um, why not polish the whole thing you know yeah and I think that's a good approach to try it yourself first to yeah. try to you know stretch your capabilities like hey maybe I can do this but then if you start saying like hey this is out of my depth then you know get the asset but at least if you approach things like that you're giving yourself the opportunity to learn you know totally and for a uh, Super T34, I had a lot of moments in that game where I said, I want this mechanic, I want this thing, and I tried to go for it, and I realized this isn't at my skill level yet. I need to train a little bit more, but I still want this. Instead of trying to find someone else's solution, I said, I'm going to return to this later, because I know I'm still learning a lot right now, and I'll probably be able to get it. And uh, that's what I did for... Um, the game has customizable keybinds. You can set up all of your controls. Uh, that was the big thing I was stuck at because there's there's a bunch of like reading scan codes of what buttons you're hitting on the computer and you know trying to figure out uh, uh, just like how the the deeper systems of keybinds are because Godot has a really easy system set up for saying what buttons do what you can set multiple buttons to the same uh, button signal um, so you can have you know a wider range of controls like a lot of games they'll have WASD for movement as well as uh, arrow keys by default mm -hmm. um, but the actual <laughs> letting it uh, be changeable through programming there's a lot more text you gotta look at and some when you're just starting off with programming and you look at someone else's hundred lines of programming it it just looks a little too big yeah, that was my thing too. I, I, with that, I was like, oh, let me do the input system for my game. Nope, I bought an asset. <laughs> but it's a really good one. It's called Rewired. And it's now I can actually look at the code and understand it. But um, yeah, I, that thing you were saying about, you know, the assets like screwing up your projects. I mean, there's just one thing like, you know, people will add them in the middle of a project or something like that. So. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But so was this the first like full game you've done? Yes, um, I've, I've dabbled a lot. 
uh, through the years in game dev. I, use, I used to use an engine called Multimedia Fusion 2. Nowadays, I believe it's called Click Team Fusion 2.5. Are you familiar with it at all? No, I've never heard of that one. It's been around for a long time. I think early 2000s, maybe even very late 90s. Um, but its whole thing was, let's make making games easy enough that a kid could do it. And it's all visual. There's no typing in script. Um, and I made a lot of games for that because I got it for like $2 in a Humble Bundle when I was in high school. Um, and so that kind of got me, I feel, a better first step. Uh, it was not a good engine. I don't recommend it to anyone. It, it constantly has issues where you're like, you, you'll look through your visual code multiple times and you'll say, no, this is perfect. This is something going on in the background that I don't know how to diagnose. Um, but it still making a game you know you still have to make the art assets uh the sounds and whatnot the only other i guess complete game i've made was a weird uh, uh 99 red balloons if you remember that song it was based off of that where you just a tank and you shoot you shoot balloons out of the sky but that one had a, a an actual finish it had a, a i put in general midi soundtrack um and everything else i did though was pretty small uh, once a year, I, I do make um, I do make my partner a, a video game for his birthday. Okay, let's just uh, assume it was your first game because I was like, how do you go from dabbling to making a full game? Because I'm sure there's a lot of people who are dabbling but haven't committed to making a game. How do you sure. make that and leap? It's a, it's a different step. Um, one thing, this might just be personal for me, not for everyone, but in case someone else out there is in a similar position, take a look at some other game engines. Most of them are free, and if what you've tried to do making a game before was either too much for you or too little, um, take a look at what else there is out there, because each game engine is really unique. They each have their own positives and negatives, and each have their own level of hand-holding. Like, for instance, I hear a lot of people have, uh, they, they get shut down when they try to get into game dev, because they start with Unreal. From what I hear, C++ is kind of a difficult language for your first. Yeah. So if maybe that was your dabble, you made a, a tiny shitty shooter in Unreal Engine, take a look at Unity or take a look at Godot. They, they both have pretty damn decent 3D engines there. They're both free to use. There's loads of tutorials for them. Um, and they're both in languages that are probably going to be a lot easier for you to grasp. You know, you were mentioning 2D and 3D. <clears throat> like if I were to go and start over, I would have started with Game Maker and 2D. Or, mon sure. or mono game in 2D because the complexity that comes from the leap between 2D and 3D, just from vector twos to vector threes and quaternions or quaternions, however you say it, is crazy complicated. So if I could do it again, I would say it's like learning how to draw in black and white before you go color and like with shading and all this stuff. It's like 2D first. And then once you get like your game dev chops, then move into 3D and all this complex, crazy stuff. Totally. Drawing and sculpting are different skills. Um, yeah. Despite both being visual art, yeah. Um, I know a bit of the the differences between two D and three D. I didn't mention this earlier, but uh, I, I really got my start with uh, source mods. You know, Half Life Two, Counter Strike, that kind of stuff. I got really into making um, Counter Strike mod maps. You know, like the the death runs yeah. and that type of stuff. Um, and so that that also gave me a bit of a boost. But totally working out between three D and two D is is huge i imagine the programming's very big i didn't really do much programming when i worked on 3d stuff but i know that level design 
is completely different when you have another um, dimension to work with. And you'll notice in the majority of shooters, they've gotten a lot better about it lately, but um, most shooters, next time you play one, pay attention to how much that game has you go up and down. Because most of them, there's very little up and down. It's the whole game design. It's basically like looking at a top-down map. All of the enemies are roughly on the same floor as you. Uh, and it's all very segmented, so you don't have to do a lot of up and down because that's hard to design for. Yeah, just, I mean, especially from me, just thinking of the, you know, the coding side of things, like X and Y, like you can figure things out in X and Y, not that oh, difficult, definitely. even if you don't have good math skills like me. But then when you go X, Y, Z, and then rotations in 3D, it's just like, get out of here. So The rotations um, will throw you off. You'll, you'll have something facing completely the wrong way, and you're like, I don't even know how to get it back to where it was. But, you know, these engines seduce you because you see, like, Unity or Unreal, and it's like, oh, look at those 3D graphics, and you want to do that, and then you're in there, and then it's like, you don't, you know, you're not equipped if it's your first thing. So I'd no, say go totally. 2D. And I've heard on your podcast before, you, you talked about, like, Unity has ads. And they definitely, like, beautify game development. They'll say, start your, your game design career, and it will show this gorgeous landscape with, like, high-poly rocks and trees all off in the distance. And it's like, you're not, like, you're literally never going to get that to that point without a team. Yeah, and, I mean, no one really plays them for that anyway. I was reading an article about Unreal Engine 5 and gameplay. It's like, yeah, this is cool and all, but everyone likes games for gameplay, which I agree with. So Definitely. They I mean, I'll play certain games for visual aesthetic, but not because they're, like, graphically superior. They're, there's more detail going on. It's usually because it's like, wow, this game, like, only uses pink and green or, or something like that, you know? Yeah, it's kind of like if you you don't know how to ride a bike – and there's this dude on a unicycle, like, juggling fire. And he's like, look how cool this is. Come try the unicycle, juggle fire. You know, yeah, and it's no, like, totally. that's Unity, like, 3D. <laughs> Just go, no, 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 I'm going to go over Game Maker or Mono Game or some simple 2D engine and just do 2D because game dev is hard enough with everything that goes along with game dev, <laughs> game design versus art. There's and already a lot there for you to do. You don't need to add in a third dimension. Yeah, and if you take it for granted, you're like, oh, cool, I know how to make games. You just have health, and you have this and that, and it's like, sure you do. So You know yeah. some of the parts. So uh, I know your project is in 3D, um, but I wanted to ask, did you start at 3D, or did you get your, you know, did, did you get your training wheels with, with a 2D project first? So I'll say I did it wrong, but I came from a 3D animation background, so I was like, oh, I do 3D animation, so I should go into 3D. So I kind of took for granted the whole game dev element of it. I read all the books and everything too, but no, I started with 3D and then, you know, had these ambitious things I wanted to do and then, you know, broke my brain a couple times. Then I did one or two 2D games um, and then I went back, or then I ramped up slowly to 3D, but I started because I thought, oh, since I have a 3D animation background, I should do 3D, but. I think that was Look an error. Look at this man here. He was asking me earlier, how did I stick with it and not give up? And he started on 3D. How did you not give up, man? I, I don't know if I could have handled starting off with 3D. Well, you know what? I didn't take it seriously. My first, quote, game project was called Dicks Will Fall on Your Head. And that was the only goal, to, like, walk into this trigger and then 3D dicks fall on your head. So, like, I, it was very lighthearted. And I think yeah, the first yeah. two or three things, then I, oh, 
Then the second game I did was called Robots Are Dicks, and it was just, like, these shitty robots that I hand-painted, like, crappy textures on. They were just like, oh, fuck right. you, and, like, flipping you off. So, um, yeah, I handled it by making lighthearted games, so if they sucked or were broken, I didn't take it. Like, oh, my God, my masterpiece is shattered. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of that uh, the confirmation effect. You weren't designing these games necessarily to be good. I was doing so it to learn, like you said. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and I, I did a lot more like very small projects before starting to work on Super T thirty four, just to like make sure I understood the engine because this was my my pretty much my very first time using Godot coming from only visual scripting. Yeah, so the because I, I also started with visual scripting using Unity. Um, do you like? I now see what the visual scripting is designed for. So I'm assuming what you were using too is like some kind of state machine. Is that what it was? Something like that. Um, could you describe a little more what you mean by state machine? Oh, so it's just nodes. It's just a node. Yes. If yes. this go to this other node. That. For, for multimedia fusion, click team fusion, how it works is um, you basically have a grid for your coding uh, and down each row and column, uh, they're, they're the same. Um, and so you have each thing inside of your game and it has a, a row and column. So for instance, if you said, when the bullet touches the player, lose health, you'd click on where the grid space is that the bullet and the player meet. And you'd click, you'd go through a list and it'd say like on touching or on collision. Um, so it was still what, definitely coding. What was it called but, again? I'm going to look it up so I can look at it right now. What's the engine called? Look up Click Team Fusion 2.5. Fusion 2.5. Okay. I just wanted to look at it while you were talking about it so I know what you're talking about. Click oh, I see. Oh, whoa. It looks like a spreadsheet, right? Exactly. No, exactly. And it just, it always had a bunch of small problems. Um, a big thing is that engine, like I said, it was meant for kids to learn how to make games. And so it tried to do a lot of the stuff itself, like a, a platforming collision. I'm sure you've had to deal with that before. It's kind of just a mundane task where you say, all right, don't fall through the floor. But yeah. The way they have it set up, it causes all sorts of errors where you can hit like the floor and the wall at just the right angle that you go flying up. And there's no way to fix that since you're not the person who programmed it. I can see why programming seems fun. Like, this looks crazy. Like, yeah. this, this doesn't look like they're training kids to be game developers. It looks like they're training them to be accountants <laughs> or something. No, exactly. And um, I was super nervous when I decided I was, I was going to learn Godot because I was like, oh, man, real coding. I don't, I don't know if I'm ready for all this syntax in my face. But then I started getting going. I'm like, wow, this is, this is way easier. The computer does exactly what I tell it to. Yeah, I had the same block. I had this thing like programmers, like, you know, I didn't go to schools where that was a thing. And, you know, there was no quote STEM programs or any of that stuff. So yeah. I, I was always just like, oh, programmers, these, you know, and I looked up to them like, whoa, it's so cool. You know, like I coveted it. Um, so I had the same kind of view on it, I guess. Well, it, it kind of looks like magic before you start getting your hands dirty. I mean, doesn't though you type a bunch of stuff into a document. And, you know, you press enter, the run button or whatever, and then something happens with a bit of significance on, on the screen. That looks like magic to me. That, that looks like someone summoned a demon and had it do something for them. 
Yeah. But once you actually get into it, it's it's like no, it's it's logic. It's just very clear instructions. Yeah. So if anybody else has that attitude, like it's magic or it's this impenetrable penetrable thing or whatever think about like anything you do like movies you know people watch movies and be like how do they do that but if you actually make movies you're like oh they did this and that like there isn't any magic so the same thing like with cars if you're a mechanic and people are like how does this work and, and you know so like programming is the same thing or anything you want to do it's it's not impossible it's not magic you just need to put the time in one thing i'll say that makes programming i, I think the key part of it that makes it so much fun is how much it is just a tool set for almost everything. Like say you learn how to be a mechanic. You know how to do things with specific uh, uh, parts that are for fixing cars. That's about where that, that skill ends. When you learn how to program though, you're given just this massive set of tools to go out and make just about anything. Yeah, and I mean, you know, like if you're surfing GitHub and you don't know code, you're just like a dude looking at food who doesn't have a mouth. And then it's like, once you learn how to code, it's like, whoa, I know how to use this. Like APIs, I know what those are now. I can use this cool, these tools that someone made. I think that doesn't help how much kind of just jargon there is for programming. Like everyone knows the word syntax. And I think that's probably the first programming word that people hear. And that's, uh, that word to start off with, just makes it kind of sound pretentious and over your head. It kind of sounds alien, too. Yeah, yeah, or, you no, know. exactly. Um, and you say something like a for loop. You know what a for loop is, but, wow, that doesn't make any sense conversationally unless you already kind of knew what it was. Yeah, and, you know, for me, learning the examples didn't help me. Like, the book stuff, like, here's a for loop. We're going to take oranges. It's like... What helped me or what allowed me to learn was trying to make a game with it and having real things to do. Like, yeah, how do I shoot a bullet? How do I make the bullet hit stuff? Like, I couldn't learn through examples. Did you learn through examples? Or you just learned from trying to figure it out for your game? So I had very, very light um, education in high school. And I, uh, uh, for, for programming specifically, I mean. Uh, and I learned how to program a bit in basic to control a, a little robot. So I wasn't starting off completely nowhere but I, I hardly, hardly remembered a thing from that class. Um, I did well in it, too. I just, I forgot it because it just kind of, th there was no reason for it to stick. There's no practical application, that kind of stuff. And I remember while I was working on Super T34, I had, I had this massive script for um, just like a, a line of, I think like a, a line of lasers. And there was a section that rotated through it that didn't have any. So you had to like go slowly through it. I had... I think about a hundred uh, lines of code just to do that and tiniest bit of information stuck somewhere in my head. It was like, you remember what an array is? Yeah, let's, let's make an array for this and do a for loop. And I, I know Joe cut down that hundred lines of code into something like 25 lines. Yeah. I mean, that's when your programmer brain comes in, which can be a curse too. Cause if you're like trying to work fast, you're like, no, I can optimize this. I can split this out to separate method and then do this and that. So. Oh, for but. sure. I feel so bad for anyone who has to program on a crunch because programming is the most efficient when you can optimize everything first. Well, if they've done it for like 15 or 20 years and they're just like super ultimate ninjas and just like, Whoa. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. No. Some people are just nuts with, with code, but for the majority of us, it's it's a lot of trial and error sometimes. I'm planning on being one of those people in 15 years. I've only done it for like three years now, but I'm oh, going yeah. hard. So like, yeah, 15 years of this, yeah, I'll robot army. 
I'm ready. 15 years from now, we, we, we got to get together and we'll have like a, a coding competition. Yeah, I'll have a robot army by then for sure. It's <laughs> my ultimate goal. So, um, why? So, correct me if I'm wrong, isn't a T 34 a Russian tank? Yes, it's a Russian tank from World War II. Um, I, for some reason, have just an obsession with tanks from World War II, and the T 34 is my favorite. So while I was sitting there with a pixel editor open, I was like, well, I need something that moves left and right and shoots. Because that was the very first thing I knew I wanted this game to be. It was kind of a, a run-and-gun Mega Man type of thing. Um, and so I was like, yeah, you know, I'll just I'll use my favorite tank. I'll draw it from memory because I, I know it that well. And from there, like, the rest of the ideas started to spawn off. I was just trying to go for ridiculous. I, I'm normally, a, with my creations, I can get like too serious and kind of forget how to have fun with it. And I was like, no, I just want this to be a, a silly game. So I said, all right, it's going to be a World War II tank that's an automated computer and it can jump for no explainable reason. Yeah, I think that's a key thing because everything I've learned on my own, like filmmaking and animation and game dev, I started lighthearted, like making funny stuff, like it's not yeah. supposed to be serious. And it's so much easier to learn. So if you're trying to do something serious at first, don't do it because you know, it's, you're just going to def defeat yourself. and It's not it's any fun. You can laugh at at the end if it doesn't turn out to be exactly what you want it to be. Yeah, like think of like those, that game series, totally accurate battle simulator. Definitely. Or totally accurate whatever. Like that's a great style of game to start with. And you know that game started out as kind of just a joke idea that they're like, wait, people actually like this. Because Tabs, Tabs was free for the longest time. And then it started getting big, just like with uh, Kerbal Space Program. That's another game with a very funny aesthetic, but it's a deep game. Yeah, and if you look at serious games, like, what's that game that's the big... Star Citizen. Yeah, don't start with Star oh, Citizen. God, don't get me started with Star Citizen. I... I have ranted about that game so many times. Cause I mean, what are you going to say? Scam. They only got like $100 million. It's only They're the... still getting money. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's just dudes who want to, you know, fly and have space girlfriends on some faraway planet. I don't know. I understand that. And Elite Dangerous is perfect for that. Elite Dangerous is a full game with gameplay and tracks to follow. And, and it's, it's an actual game to play. And it's a space sim. Star Citizen is just a space scam. Yeah, I know. I, I'm just baffled, too. I'm just like, what are you guys doing? But well, and it's, it's been out forever. It was the... Uh, at least at the time, it was the biggest uh, Kickstarter ever. It made the most money. And just for years afterwards, they, they had this system where every week they sent you an email and they'd say, this is what we're working on right now. And that gave it some validity. When you actually you know, go through all those emails, though, you see, oh, you haven't focused on anything important at all. Yeah. Um, wow. I'm sure the dev team cares about it, but the marketing team just wants to sell people you know, $500 virtual ships yeah i mean if the goal was to make money they're great at that um yeah. what would you say all right you you finish this thing what would you what are you going to do differently next time um there's a lot that i'm, I'm already doing differently because i've been in production for my next game which is going to be a lot more serious uh for a while now um and a big part of that is uh start off by making a very sturdy foundation super t34 was it was on the fly. Um, I kind of just did whatever I could. And if I hit a roadblock because I wanted to introduce something, I'd you know, look up tutorials or, or what have you. But it was, 
it, I, I halfway through the game, I changed uh, how the physics were calculated because I didn't like how uh, small the jumps were. And I had to go back and change like half the levels because of it, because now they didn't work quite right. So what I'm doing for this game is uh, I, I'm setting up just a really strong code foundation that everything else can build off of. So that way, if there's a problem, I can usually just change the foundation of it and have it work. There's not just a jumble of code to get in there. Um, and also, I, I learned a lot of uh, good coding practices, not syntax, but like have two lines in between different functions, that kind of thing that just makes it easier to read. Um, I learned about like camel case and, and what have you there. Uh, yeah, no, but for the most part, I, I think I have a handle on what the overall process is. Um, I definitely, uh, one thing I did in the uh, Super T34 that I wanna continue doing for as long as it's relevant is uh, I, de I designed all of the game before putting in a single sound. I, I made every level, did everything. And uh, the point of this was I said, I want every part of this game to be playable by someone who's deaf. And the visual cues have to be good enough that I can play it without hearing a sound. Uh, and so I want to continue that trend for as long as possible because I think that's, that's an important thing to include as many people as you can. Yeah, and I, you know, I thought when you were saying that, so like my background's in visual stuff, so the visual to the last thing I put in, just because I'm like, I don't want to lean on that, like that's my For strength, sure. so I'm going to work on my weaknesses, and then, because you know, you add the visuals too soon in your game, or even the sound design, you're like, well, this is cool already, and you might skip over something in the mechanics that, you know, you could have improved upon. Oh, absolutely. And uh, have, you, have you ever had trouble writing dialogue? Not like the dialogue system, but the actual story of it. No. Just kind of keep it light. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've written like seven feature film scripts and a couple books, so I really like writing, and I've written okay, a lot. So it's more of a tool that you already had on your belt. Yeah, I'm like at the point where it's just natural. Like, I don't even think. You know, I just open up a thing, and this character says this, says that, blah, blah, blah. I'll edit it when I go backwards. But oh, for sure. I mean, but you know what? That is a key thing. You know how, how much easier it is to edit something you already did versus doing the first pass? Oh, considerably. So, I've been doing music for years now, and it's, it's very similar. You yeah, so... Spit out what kind of sounds good and then trim it up. I just feel like I know what I'm doing in the first pass because I feel that. It doesn't mean I really do, but I'm saying with anybody, you know, just kind of bust out your first pass. Don't worry about it so much. And then go back. I mean, a key thing with dialogue, too, that I learned from movies and animation is, too, is always say it out loud. Um, I never thought of that. I'm going to have to start trying that now. Yeah, it's kind of a thing that comes from, like, if other people are going to speak it. But I even found, you know, written, if people are reading in their head, like, written dialogue, it helps. it's helped me make more natural-sounding dialogue. That, that's a really good point. Uh, the reason I asked you, by the way, is my, uh, for a complete change in tone, my next game is a very serious visual novel. Um, I'm not sure if I should call it a visual novel, because I've, I've seen what visual novels are, and it's not quite the same, but it's, the, the point is it's very, very dialogue heavy. And I had designed the whole game before starting even trying to think of the plot, and then I'm sitting there like, I gotta think of four stories for four characters. And so that, that's where I've been with uh, my next game, and always trying to look for, for tips on how to yeah, be well, a better and quicker writer. A tip I can give you for making movies or animation, it's like, 
if you have the soundtrack music or something in the vibe that you're going to put in it, write to the music. So I'll put the music on loop and then write your dialogue to that to catch the mood. It's like um, the really famous spaghetti Western director, Sergio Leone, used to play the soundtrack music during the scene so the actors could act it out to the music. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, so you can do that, like make the music, because for I do music too, so like for my other game, I've created seven hours of soundtrack music already, so then I listen to the music that's going to be in the level when I'm writing the dialogue or even designing it, you know, so. For sure. You said you, uh, you do your own music? Yep. Was that a, a new thing for you to get, or had you already had experience being a producer? Yeah, I've been putting out albums since like 2000. So, 2000. Think, oh, my buddy, I was four. So I think I've <laughs> I think I've produced like 19 or 20 musical albums. Mine and other people's. I produce other people's albums too. That's pretty um, good. I'm sitting on a pretty four, but. <laughs> yeah, so that's like natural to me too. Like producing music, writing, animation, all that stuff. I've done so much of it now for so long. It's just like you know what I'm think so. Um, it's like your life was set up to get you into game dev because you dabbled in so many different relevant areas. You know what's funny though? Like if you do different things, say like, oh, you do animation. Oh, you write stories. Oh, you do music. In other fields, it's like, wow, that's so impressive. But it's like, no, you're just a game developer. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, no, like, you know, the, the guy who really inspired me for like independent game developer is Pixel Amaya, the Amaya, the Japanese dude who made Cave Story. Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah, because he did the art, he did the animation, he did the programming. He didn't just do the music, he created the music engine to, that he then wrote the music in. My God. And it's like, no one, yeah, he's a game, you know, like, oh, you're, yeah, you're just a game developer. You're a game so developer, you can do everything. <laughs> like, you have to, you know, if it's just you. But, so yeah, it, it is, but, you know, I, I'm saying myself, I underestimated what game design actually is you know because we see games from the outside and you're like oh For yeah sure. you just make things jump and there's health and you kill the boss whatever but it's like if you're trying to make something good there's a lot more that goes into the design you know you might want to think about making that a like a, a standard question on your show asking like what what's your uh, your game dev idol or, or your inspiration what yeah that is a yeah so well who's yours for me it's uh lorne lanning uh do you know the odd world series Oh, yeah, of course. Um, I had those games, the first couple, on my, my old-ass PC back in the day. And it was kind of... Those were the first games that made me realize video games can be more than just an action sequence that's fun to look at or, or you know, the arcade type of thing. It's like, oh, it can have, it can have a big story. A game can be slow and not bad. Um, and when he was making his music, uh, not music, sorry, making his very first games with, uh, I forget the, the co-creator's name, but um, they were an indie studio in the 90s. That's a hard place to be in. It's not like being an indie nowadays. They didn't have a game engine to go off of. Yeah. And so I, I think back to that and like how much resolve you must have and how much of a vision you have to have. Because uh, I, I was watching an interview with him, and one of his advisors was pushing so hard, he said, the character has to have a gun in the game. It can't just be running away from things. Uh, and instead of, you know, shelling up and saying, fuck you, it's, it's my dream, it's my work, um, or, or just accepting it and ruining his vision, he thought, all right, what if the player possesses other characters for a limited time with a gun? And... Solutions like that that are just so out of the box 
that's what really gets me thinking. That's what, that's what gets me saying, I, I want to see in 20 years, what, what do I come up with? What's my neat solution to a problem? Yeah, and talking about that, like that's something, because I'm a very like book person, so when I get into something new, I try to like get all the, the books and read all the books. And one that I read early on that is cited all the time in game development is A Theory of Fun or Game Design by Ralph yeah. Poster. I've heard people recommend that too. Yeah, and in that book, it's cool. I really liked it because he's like, you know, games, if you classify them as an art, they're like so rudimentary and so basic and so young. All the stories, all the archetypes are so basic and so simple and so repetitive. You know, guys with guns, like guns, go yeah, blow yeah. shit up, dominate. And he was like, there's all these other things you can do, you know, in this other world of games that people can do. And that's what attracted me. I was like, oh, yeah, I want to do that stuff. But I don't think anybody read the book because no one's doing it. I think the key thing that makes games art is it's, there's, it has come up with a new method to make someone feel emotion. That's kind of how I, I describe art. Is it's, it's a method in which you make someone else experience an emotion. Um, like, you know, if you ever listen to a song and you just kind of get emotional and you can't quite figure out what it is about it that makes you feel that way. Games are the same thing, but what they use is gameplay. Um, and that's, that's got to be a hard skill to perfect because you have to mix audio and visual elements uh, along with an actual written story with that feeling of experiencing something. Like, uh, like Oddworld, for example, again. That game made you feel small and scared. That's the part of the game that made it art. Because otherwise, it's just a basic story about... Uh, uh, it's, it's a basic revenge story about nature people defeating evil industry. That, that story's been done a thousand times over. But when they make you feel like that's you, that you have some stake in this, it's a different feeling. Yeah, and I, I mean, there's so many, so many different things to explore. That's what interests me. So it's, it's more challenging. It's easier just shoot things. They blow up. Big boss, kill the right, boss. Right. That's, you know, but it's more, cha I know why people don't do it. It's because the money is made not doing that because people don't want to play experimental games with new things. At least they don't think they do. But um, then one comes out that's great. And every, now we have a thousand Assassin's Creed's. Yeah, or like, <laughs> well, it's, then it's acceptable and everyone just copies it. And it's the normal. Yeah, exactly. So, okay. So that is a good question. I will ask that from now on. I like that. You know, I always like to ask the, like what we do differently next time, you know, okay, yeah. through, through that part. And, um, so let's say our, our final thing for this episode, since I already asked what you would do differently. So what are, if you can, if they jump out at you, what were the biggest things you learned or no, no, no. Since this is the first full game you've made, what has changed in your perception as to what making a game it was and, you know, as to what you know it really is now? A big thing uh, is realizing there's such a difference between how complex something appears to be and how much it is. Um, like I was saying earlier with dialogue, dialogue appears to be one of the simplest things in a game. But it's, it can be a more complex system than just getting your character to move. And then other things like, uh, oh man, how am I, how am I going to program my character being able to shoot? That's like five lines of code, maybe just a bit more. Uh, there's, it, the level of complexity under the hood is very, uh, um, oh, what's the word? It's, it's non-exact. It's, it's, uh, uh, 
I can't think of the word. I apologize. <laughs> but yeah, it's a, a lot of that. I'm sorry. Can you say the, uh, the full question just one more time for me? Oh, it was just like, before you completed a full game, what did you think games were? And then now that you've made one, what are you like, no, this is what they are, if it's different at all? Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, another big thing is it really changes your, your perception of cutting corners. There's been a lot of games where I was like, uh, how, how come I can't you know, do this? So you couldn't bother to put in the animation for this one thing. But you kind of get to be able to view like the bigger picture a lot easier. You're not so focused on why the dog had a worse animation than the rest of the game. You're focused on the whole game experience and say, yeah, that part was really kind of inconsequential. You'll see a lot of people who post their, um, their works in progress on Reddit or Twitter, what have you. Um, and if it doesn't look beautiful, that's all everyone's going to be talking about. No one's just like, wow, you, this is such a great concept. This is a, a fantastic mechanic. It's just like, ah, man, I can't wait to see this thing when it's pretty. And that's how come a lot of games get big, even if they're not great, is because they look so good. Okay. People are judging things by their appearance. <laughs> Color me shocked. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so thanks for being on the Game Day dev grit podcast and oh, you will if you give me the link to your game or yeah, post it in the show notes on the discord i know you're in the discord i'll put it in the show notes for the podcast thing fantastic and then um yeah we've got to have you back on when you start digging into this new project you know to see how oh, things sure. are going and stuff oh, like yeah. that so oh yeah i'd love to well i'll send you the uh the itchio link on would you like me to also send you the uh, the band cap for the, the album that comes Yeah, out? the whole thing. We'll put it in the show notes yeah. and stuff. So thanks for being on the Game Dev Grit podcast. Well, it's been a pleasure being here. I'll talk to you later, probably on the Discord. Okay. <laughs>